Good morning. I'll be reading scripture today from the NIV. And the first reading is from the book of Ruth, chapter 1, 1 through 19, 18. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem and Judah went together with his wife and two sons to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there for about ten years, both Malan and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you, as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people, and her gods go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where, will you, where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Would you please stand for the reading of the gospel? Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, What commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, Right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one, and that there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, 
you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. This is the gospel of our Lord. Have you ever had times where you felt like all the good that you do doesn't really amount to anything? That, you know, no matter how faithful you try and be, no matter how much good you try and do it, it, it seems like a small drop in the bucket to all of the world's large problems. You wonder how even if, even if you're faithful, even if you do what God has called you to, how can it make a difference in our world that's so big with so many problems? Or even here in our town or in our church. This morning our sermon text comes from the book of Ruth. And the story that we find there begins about as mundane and ordinary as a story could possibly begin. It begins simply with a family making sure that they have enough food to eat. We hear there at the beginning of the story that Elimelech and his wife Naomi leave Bethlehem and go to Moab in search of food and in search of bread. Now this may be the first sign in the story that there's trouble ahead. There's a bit of irony here, because Elimelech and Naomi have left Bethlehem, or as it's pronounced in Hebrew, Bethlehem, the house of bread, in order to go and search for bread in Moab. So Elimelech and Naomi go to this foreign country, and they they bring their two sons with them. And while they're there, Elimelech dies leaving Naomi only with her two sons. These two sons get married to women of this country that they've gone to, to these Moabite women. But eventually, they die as well, the two sons do. And so, it leaves Naomi with just her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. Well, after they've been there in Moab for a while, Naomi decides that she's going to head back to the land of Judah, back to Bethlehem, because she heard that God had visited His people and that He had shown favor on them. And so they, they head back to Judah in search of bread, in search of a life that they can sustain once again. And either on the way there or shortly after they've arrived, we hear this conversation between Naomi and her two daughters-in-law. She urges them to go back home, to go back to the land of Moab. It's not because Naomi doesn't want to be with them. She's actually looking out for their own interests. Because you see, Ruth and Orpah are still relatively young women. They can still find husbands for themselves. And in this ancient biblical culture, that's a big deal. Because this is a male-dominated world where women would find it very difficult to find sustenance for themselves. They're mostly dependent upon a man for income. And so Naomi is looking out for her two daughters-in-law by telling them to go and find a husband. This is basically saying to them, go and make sure that you have enough to eat, that you have someone who can provide for you and sustain you. Well, at first, both daughters-in-law refuse. They refuse to go. But eventually, Orpah takes Naomi's advice and returns back home. 
This is not selfishness on her part. She's just doing the reasonable thing. She's doing what she has to do to survive. And so she returns to Moab. And so Naomi urges Ruth once again, you too, you must go back to your homeland and find a husband who can take care of you. But Ruth demonstrates this amazing faithfulness. Almost an absurd, unrealistic level of fidelity to her mother-in-law. Instead of returning to her home in Moab, she refuses to leave Naomi by herself. Knowing that if she were to leave, Naomi would have to scrape out an existence on her own. That Naomi's too old to find a husband for herself, and she would find it very difficult to go on living by by herself on her own. And so, Naomi, uh, excuse me, Ruth stays with Naomi. She says that she will go wherever Naomi goes. She'll stick by her side and make Naomi's God her own God. No matter the circumstances, she'll continue to stick with her. And so Naomi and Ruth live together there in Bethlehem, trying to scrape out a meager existence together. And one day, Ruth goes out to glean from a field. This was a common practice in ancient Israel. You see, the farmers in ancient Israel were instructed by the law that they were not to harvest everything from their field. They were to leave a little bit out in the field so that widows like Ruth or those who were too poor to own their own land could go and glean from the field. They could take what was left over by the farmers and that way they would have sustenance. They would have something to eat. So this is what Ruth sets out to do. And Naomi sends her on her way so that the two of them can eat. And it just so happens that Ruth ends up gleaning in a field that belongs to a blood relative of Elimelech. You remember, he was Naomi's husband who has passed away. So she's gleaning in the field of Boaz, a relative of her mother-in-law's husband. And Boaz, the owner of this field, takes special note of Ruth. He sees her there working in the field, and he begins to look out for her specifically. Rather than just allowing her to glean from the field, he actually asks her to harvest right along with the other workers, getting the very best of the crop, the first fruits of what was to be harvested. And in addition to that, he even has Ruth come and dine with him and and sends her home with sacks of grain because he knows the situation that she and her mother-in-law are in and he wants to take care of them and look out for them. Well, Ruth sees that Boaz has taken special note of her and she wants to capitalize on this fortunate situation. So she washes herself and anoints herself with perfume or oil and puts on her best clothes and goes to meet Boaz around the time of the evening meal. I know there's some disagreement among us as to what that meal is called, whether it's dinner or supper, but we'll just say that it's the evening meal. She wants to make her presence known to Boaz, but she waits until after he has had plenty to eat and drink and has gone to lay down for the night. And then Ruth goes and lays down at the feet of Boaz 
where he's sleeping. In fact, as we read the story, it's not entirely clear, but it appears that Ruth might even be a bit scandalous in the lengths to which she is willing to go in order to impress Boaz. The text tells us not only that Ruth lays down next to Boaz, but also that in the middle of the night, she uncovered his feet. Now, this may seem like an odd but relatively innocent part of the story, but most Old Testament scholars believe that this is a euphemism and that, that it's a euphemism for intercourse. But before you begin to think that this is some hot and steamy romance between the young stud Boaz and the gorgeous Ruth, hear what Boaz says to Ruth in chapter 3, verse 10. After Ruth... Uh, asked Boaz to spread his covering over her, which seems to be a sort of marriage proposal. Boaz has this to say, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether rich or poor. So we might wonder what all this is about. What is it that Boaz is talking about when he says that? Well, the first thing that we should notice is that as far as we can tell, Boaz is not a young man. Boaz says that he is so impressed by Ruth because she has not gone after young men, apparently men much younger than himself, but instead has come and made this proposal to him. So this is not some passionate act of youthful lust on the part of Ruth when she shows up at this man's bed in the middle of the night. So we might wonder then, why is she there? Well, the rest of Boaz's statement gives us a clue. He says that this last kindness is greater than her first. The word translated as kindness here is that Hebrew word chesed. We've talked about this word before. You may remember it back in the summer. It's a word that means faithfulness or, or loyalty, fidelity or kindness or, or, or tremendous love. We heard about this word when we studied the story of David and Mephibosheth. David had been close friends with Jonathan. And before David became king, he promised to Jonathan that no matter what happened, that when he became king, he would show loyalty, kindness, chesed, to Jonathan's descendants for the sake of Jonathan. That he would demonstrate his loyalty and friendship to Jonathan by taking care of his descendants. And so when David finally did become king, he made sure that Mephibosheth, the last living relative of Jonathan, had a place at the king's table, a place in the royal court. And by doing so, he showed chesed to his friend Jonathan by showing loyalty to his descendants. And that is, and so when we, we look at the story, we find that the, this first act of kindness, or hesed, that Boaz is talking about, that Ruth has done, is the act of hesed that she showed toward her mother-in-law earlier in the story. We heard earlier in the story that Boaz knows about what Ruth has done for Naomi. He knows that she has been exceedingly faithful 
to her mother-in-law by sticking by her side through any circumstance. So Boaz is saying that this act of faithfulness, this act of hesed that Ruth has done by coming to him in the middle of the night is even greater than that. It is even greater than what Ruth did earlier for Naomi in the story. And here's the key. What Ruth has done is so great because Boaz knows that the reason that Ruth came to him is not because he was young and good-looking. Instead, Ruth came to him because he is a close relative of Naomi. This is significant because it makes him what is called the kinsman redeemer. It gives Boaz the opportunity to redeem the land that had belonged to his blood relative Elimelech. If Ruth and Boaz get married, it allows Boaz to buy that property. It sort of gives him first dibs on that land to buy it back. And that is significant because it means then that that land will stay in the family. It's a way of maintaining the wealth within the family. So when Ruth comes to Boaz and makes this sort of marriage proposal to him, it's not that she is simply looking for a husband for herself. She is once again demonstrating exceedingly great faithfulness, chesed, towards her mother-in-law. Because she is seeing to it that her mother-in-law's husband's land stays in the family with her. She is making sure that Naomi is not left out of the loop, that there will be sustenance for her and someone to work that land for her. In this story, the very ordinary Ruth has demonstrated extraordinary faithfulness in the midst of very ordinary circumstances. But of course, as I mentioned at the beginning, we may wonder what all this amounts to exactly. I mean, sure, Ruth does these incredible things for her mother-in-law, but in the end, what difference does it really make? Nothing terribly important or world-changing happens in the book of Ruth. This is not the story of great kings or mighty warriors or other important people. This is just a story of an ordinary family taking care of each other. And we might wonder what difference it's really made. Well, as we come to the very end of the book of Ruth, there is just a brief mention there in the last few verses of the book of some genealogical information. You know, it's, it's one of those lists of names. You know, one of those things you usually skip over when you're reading Scripture. A list of so-and-so begat so-and-so, or such-and-such was the father of this person. It's one of those sections of Scripture that would be extremely easy to glance over and ignore. But in these last few verses of the book of Ruth, we find out that Ruth and Boaz had a son. And they named that son Obed. Obed, it turns out, was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David. David, the greatest king in the history of Israel would not have been born if it had not been for the extraordinary faithfulness that Ruth and Boaz demonstrate in this story. They might have been ordinary people in ordinary circumstances just trying to be faithful in what seemed to be very ordinary 
everyday, not so glamorous things. But their faithfulness, four generations later, led to the birth of a man who would be a role model for an entire nation and even an entire faith. The truth is that we have no idea how a small act of faithfulness today or tomorrow might impact the future. We may never even live to see the results of our faithfulness. But God is faithful. Even after we have turned to dust to use those small acts of faithfulness to farther His kingdom in our world. Now receive the benediction. May our God and Father who is faithful in all things inspire us to tremendous faithfulness as well even in our everyday circumstances. Trusting that His faithfulness will ultimately reign when His kingdom comes. To the glory of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.